0: Well, my apologies for jerking with your emotions this morning. We've cried with our church family, we've grieved over a national sin, and then I give you a video that you just have to laugh at. And uh, I really we picked the video knowing it was sanctity of life Sunday. We didn't know all that was going to happen, uh, but we we gave us emotional separation for that last song. But ain't that great? Come on, ain't that great? I, so yeah, it, it just so perfectly pictures how we do our resources and stuff, you know, and how that there are things that you feel like you got to pay. And then, first off, do you notice the poor guy only had a little piece left? And then there's God going, hey, what about me? You know, it's just incredible. We had a situation kind of like that. We had a... a Jennifer was teaching down at Murray, I think, is it Calloway County? Is that where she was at, Judy? Yeah, and so she was having a particularly hard day. And so my merciful, compassionate wife, uh, I would have not done... I would have eaten the cake, but... But Judy knew that she liked Milky Way cake, if I remember correctly, and it was like at fifty bucks. Now let me tell you something. That's an expensive cake in anybody's book. So she called down there and found where this cake was and ordered a cake for Jennifer and had it delivered to the high school. Now is that compassion or what? Don't don't you wish was your mama? I mean, come on, yeah, come on, you know. And and I'm sure I can't remember, but I'm sure I was going like fifty dollars, Judy? She can't be having that bad of a day. just can't be possible. So anyway, so we're all excited. Wait for the phone call and wait for the phone call. I think it goes something like this. She finally calls and says, Mom, Dad, thank you so much for the cake. And she goes, by the time I got to the break room, everybody had eaten it. Yeah. And fortunately, one teacher had saved a small piece and put it in her desk and felt so sorry for Jennifer. Jennifer got a very small piece of this $50 cake. And, and the one that was supposed to be blessed hardly got any of it at all. And, you know, God's that way. God, do you understand? God gives us everything, and yet there's so often just this little tiny portion um, that, that we give him. And today, it's obviously about giving. It's the, I, mean, I had to name the sermon, Dude, He Brought the Pie. I mean, I had something really stoic like, The Power of Giving. Didn't that just move you? And I just thought, dude, he brought the pie. Was the perfect sermon title. Now I know, I know this too. You know, um, I know when we talk about giving, it kind of like, Ugh, you know, it's like fingers on nails on a chalkboard sometimes. But you know, there, there's there's two responses. Uh, and some of you have gone through this now if, if you're not a christ follower and somebody invited you to church today You can kind of like sit on the outside and look in and see how we talk about giving him money Although I think there's a couple of things that you really could take home with this Um, if you don't know jesus, it's, it's it's just good things for life But but if you're a christ follower today, you know, probably some of you have gone through this first off you're at a church and that church There were two sermons There was the longer version, Terry, that was done sometime after the special music that the preacher preached it then. But then, at that particular church you're a member of, there was a mini-sermon right before the offering. And the pastor got up and tell you how bad they needed your money. And if you didn't give, the world was going to fall apart. And you felt all this intense pressure. And you felt all this guilt and stuff. And you wrote the check because you felt guilty and pressure. The only problem is you probably didn't come to church to feel all that guilt and pressure. So eventually you left. And perhaps you came here. And then there's another kind of place. And perhaps... Again, you, you may have, I don't think you'd leave a church like this, but you, you go to a church and the pastor hardly ever preaches about money. I mean, he never stands up right before the offering and goes, you guys have got to give or they're going to turn our lights off again. you, you got to give. And so you kind of have to take, they don't need my money. And so since they don't need your money and you really don't understand about giving... You kind of keep it in your wallet. So, so some have come from a church where they need, need, and you hear pressure and guilt, and then some others come. And by the way, you'll notice we rarely talk about money around here. I'm glad to report to you that by your faithful giving that pretty much budget needs are not a problem around here. Now, you do hear us so we're a hybrid. Do we talk about Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong and World Hunger? You better believe it, and I'll keep preaching that one. Because that's a great... Because those are not dollars that stay at Dorisville. Those are dollars that flow out of Dorisville. We have an opportunity to give to help folks around the world come know Jesus Christ as Savior. But there's those two paradoxes. And, and I, I think Judy told me this. Um, Sarah and Blake went to a church, uh, Savannah Christian Church in Savannah. And the guy was preaching on giving. And I think she told me that a guy in that service that they were in kind of like walked out and said, All this church wants is my money. And he walked out of the service. And I hope you won't do that. In fact, if you've got to go to the bathroom, you might hold on to it because people are going to go, Oh, no, they're leaving because you know, they're mad at the preacher. So, so kind of hold on, okay? Don't leave right now because it really looks like kind of bad. okay? So, so, but, but the deal is this. I, I, want you, I want you to look at giving today through a whole different lens. I really do. You know, I, I've got a 3D TV, and, and there's two lenses, and I don't know how they work. I really don't know. One was blue and one was red. I know that. And, and when I look at a 3D picture with those glasses on... Everything's fuller and richer. All of a sudden, arms come out of the screen and balls come out of the screen. It's really cool. It really is. And of course, I look at, at the flat picture and it's just not as real and it's not as full and it's not as enriched. And I want us to look through today through the lens the, the, the lens of generosity and gratitude. So when you think about giving, again, if you're a Christ follower, think, think about giving and then think about, well, let's start with you know, gratitude. Now, do you understand what we did at the beginning of our service? We prayed to a God. Now this God's not a rock, it's not a tree, it's not a fat guy sitting with no shirt on with his legs crossed. He's not a prophet that lived a long time ago. We, we prayed to the Creator God. And the reason we prayed, could pray to Creator God is because we can call Him Father. And the reason we can call Him Father... I mean it would be a really little weird if like Brent walked up and said, Hey Dad... I said, Brent, I know I'm old, but I'm not that old. Okay? No, I'm not, not your dad. The reason we can call God Father is because He is. Because of what happened, because God loved us so much that He sent His Son, Jesus, in the greatest plan ever of redemption. He sent His Son, Jesus. God, God became flesh in the form of Jesus. He lived a sinless life. And because of the wages of sinless death, He was willing to die on the cross, take the full wrath of God, and, and pay for our sin. Full atonement was made. Notice I said full atonement. Nothing left. And if we would put our faith and trust in Him and turn from our sin, we could have forgiveness. And we had the privilege of calling God Father. How now that's something to be grateful for. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I mean, I've, if you've never gone through a crisis, I, I told Dwight, pray this morning. I said, I don't know how people handle this who don't have a relationship with God. And I don't. I don't. So we got, I'm trying to tell you, even if you're unemployed and you got arthritis and your joints hurt and whatever else, your kids need braces and you can't afford them, whatever it is going on in your life right now, if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you've got a ton to be grateful for to God. Amen? I mean, we really do. Come on, we really do. So so, so we have this, we call God Father, and so we kind of look through the lens giving of wait a minute, wait a minute, whoa, I've got so much. God has given me so much. I need to be thankful. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, He says, give thanks in everything. Because this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And then there's this generous thing. See, what Jesus did on the cross is the most generous thing we'll ever experience. I have had the privilege of receiving some very generous things in my life. I have been so blessed. And yet, that pales... To what Jesus did and believe me it pales in a big way to what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So it makes sense to me as I, I, as I talked about thought about this, okay God you've been so you've done so much for me surely I need to be grateful and God you've given me so much, including eternal life, including forgiveness of sins, including victory over the power of sin and death. I surely God because I've experienced generosity. I ought to be generous. So we serve, we serve a wonderfully, thankfully, we can just call Him Father God, and we also have this generosity factor going on. God is all about gratitude and generosity. Let, let me read just a couple of verses to you. These are not the main scripture. Listen to this. Proverbs eleven twenty four through 25. One person gives freely, yet gains more. Another withholds what is right, only to become poor. A generous person will be, here's the key word, enriched. And the one who gives a drink of water will receive water. People will curse anyone who hoards grain, but a blessing will come to the one who sells it. Proverbs 22, 9. He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. Luke chapter 6. Let's hear from Jesus. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And finally, Proverbs nineteen seventeen: He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. And he, capital H, will pay back what he, little h, has given. So God is all about being generous to the world around us. I honestly believe that one of our pillars, one of our, 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 our stands in Dorisville is generosity toward people that have needs. And I think God has honored that through that. So, so the question is, how does that play out in our lives? And, and this one, I hope I got some stuff for you that you really will take home and chew on and think about today with no guilt and no pressure. Our scripture is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. We'll be using the Holman Christian Standard Version. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. Now, the setup is this. They're over here, Now, my wife will tell me you should have had a map, and she's right. Over here is Jerusalem and the the region, and they're under a severe drought. People are starving to death. It's really, really bad. And over here across the water is the, the Asia Minor area. And there's churches here that Paul has started, one of which is the church at Corinth, all right? So the church at Corinth... You know, has gotten word that they're there's suffering in Jerusalem. And even though they're Jewish brothers, they're brothers. And Paul has encouraged them to send money to Jerusalem to help out during this time of drought. And so now the, the Corinthian church said, yay. You know, the pastor, the, <laughs> the pastor of the church instantly told Paul, absolutely will give. He forgot to check with the finance committee. Because the finance committee came along and said, I don't know if we can pull this off or not. And so the bottom line was they didn't give. A year passed and they didn't give. So Paul is writing back now saying, guys, you really need to fulfill what you promised to do. So that's the setup. That's the circumstances. That's why this is a message about being generous to those in need. And of course, generosity toward God is also in that umbrella. So here's what he says in verse number six and seven. Remember this. The person who sows sparingly, will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows generously will reap generously. Each person should do as he decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I bet some of you have heard that verse before. Now, this was a a community, an economy based on farming, so they could really identify... With this this illustration. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But, you know, really, one of the commentaries just brought out so clear for me. So so imagine this. Imagine this represents the harvest of of that year. So, as a daddy, this represents how I'm going to feed my family for that year. You got the picture there? And uh, this is seed corn right here, by the way, is why it's a different color. And here's an ear of corn. Now, here's what I've got to do. I've got to decide how much of this I'm going to eat or consume, and how much of it am I going to put away so I can sow. So now you probably figured out that you have to have a little bit of faith. If you're a farmer, you're one of the most faith filled people that I know of. Because you put these seeds in the ground knowing that God's all to God to bring the rain and the hint, the right amount of heat, and all of that to make the thing harvest. So I've got to decide how much faith do I have and what's going to happen in the fall. So if I take, you know, I don't don't have a whole lot of faith. I may take just a few kernels, okay? Now, come fall when it's time to plant again, or come spring when it's time to plant again, I've only got a few kernels. And so I bet you can figure this out. If I take my 47 kernels here and throw them out there, even though I water them and fertilize them and put the herbicide on them and all of that different thing, what kind of harvest am I going to have? Now, I may eat pretty good in the interim, Okay? But come in the future, I'm going to get pretty hungry. So he says, he who sows generously reaps generously. So, so you imagine then? So, what if I say, "Well, I need this much to eat right now. This is what I need to eat right now. This will get my family through." Now, it won't, <laughs> it, it won't, it won't do everything I want. I mean, I, I may not be able to have all the pecan pie I want if I if I just only plant it. You know, if I hold on this much. But the truth is, truth is, it's probably better for me to go ahead and keep this much and put the rest of this in dirt to invest the rest of this. Now, if I hold back this much and plant the rest of this. What are my chances of having a pretty good harvest? Good. That's what Paul is writing to the Corinth church. He says, you know the truth here. In fact, you know it too. You know if you put $5 a week in your retirement, I don't care if you live to be $150, you are going to starve to death. You know you've got to set aside some for the future if there's going to be a future. And Paul is saying, you understand this. If you, sow, if you sow sparingly, if you only got 47 grains, you may eat well for a while, but you don't have much for the future. You got to have faith and trust that, okay, I'm willing to do that a little bit now so that in the future, I'll have a good harvest. So Paul says this. He says, you, know, you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly, but if you, if you sow generously, you also will reap generously. Now, how's that played out? Look what he says. Each person should do as he decided in his heart. So he says, here's what needs to play out. In our lives as believers in Jesus Christ, as, as this plays out in, in, in our lives as, as Christ followers, here's how it looks like. One, we've got to determine what we're going to do. We've got to determine how generous are we going to be. We have, we have to determine how grateful we're going to be. We're going to have to look back at the cross and go, okay, and and listen, listen, listen. In light of, in light of what Jesus did for me on the cross, what God did for me on the cross, and the immaculate plan, the wonderful plan, the magnificent plan of salvation, in light of all that God has done for me, in light of my gratitude to God, how much should I give? In light of... The fact that I'm not going to go to hell when I die, and not because I'm a Baptist or a preacher, but because of grace. In light of of the fact that my sins have been forgiven, and I can call God Father. In light of of all that God has given me, how generous should I be? Paul says, you need to have a plan. You need to have to determine how you're going to give. Now, here's a plan. A plan is that the plate comes by and you throw a $20 bill in. That's a plan. Not a good one, but it's a plan. Paul encourages us rather to sit down, just like you know, you men who love to take your family on trips and you got your GPS and you know where you're gonna spend the night, you've got to make this many miles before nightfall. I don't care if you gotta go to the bathroom or not, we can't stop because we've got to drive this many miles today. You got a plan. As you do that plan, you know where you're going. And we, dealing with God's generosity and gratitude, need to have a plan. Amen? Now, if you don't, let me just tell you, our natural inclination, most of us think we give more than we do. You should be getting your financial giving statement, and some of you are going to go, I thought I gave more than that. You're going to be surprised. And the reason you're going to be surprised is you didn't have a plan. Now, we could talk another time about plans. Uh, if we're talking about regular budget giving, doing it on a percentage basis, we could talk about that. Some of you would love to have given more at Lottie Moon, but my goodness, there's the Christmas Club, and, and there's all the presents to buy, and there's decorations to buy. And Dwayne, there just wasn't much. Well, what if you started setting aside money in January, and every week you put aside 5 or $10? Do you understand if you put aside $10 a week, by the time Lottie Moon rolled around December, you'd have over $500? How about that? How about that? Why? Because there's a plan. There's a plan. So you need to purpose in your heart what you're going to do. Secondly, you've got to determine your attitude in doing it. Because Paul says, not reluctantly or out of necessity. See, our attitude matters a whole lot. Reluctantly is, are we going to, write this down, when we give, are we going to give with a closed hand or an open hand? Closed hand or open hand? If you have a closed hand when you give, that's reluctantly. If you have an open hand, that is being generously. Okay? That's open and closed. Now, here's a sign that you might be wrestling with this area. If during the offering, you have your offering in your hand, whether it be that $20 bill or an envelope with with a check in it, if you find yourself weeping as you say goodbye, it may be reluctant. It just might be. If the usher sees the money in your hand and has to pry your fingers open, that might be reluctant giving. It just might be. Okay? Open-handed means, hey, get the, Hey, dude, get the plate over here. i got to drop this puppy in. I mean, wouldn't it be cool if across this plate went, across the argument, Shoot that thing, yeah, Glory. hallelujah. Revival broke out, and not because of a squirrel, but because of an open handed giving. Now, now, so, so not only open and close, but due to your love. See, if you if you feel like you've got to give again, remember the guy who, who always talked about the other church and said, You've got to give, or the church is going to fold. You've got to give, we won't pay the election bill. You've got to give, or we don't have in church. You've got to give. And you gave, but it wasn't because of love. But you thought you had to. You had to. Now, I know, Jesus, you died for me, but here. Peter always says, when I do something, she goes, and I do it kind of reluctantly, she goes, you're going to lose the blessing. You're going to lose the blessing. I said, you're right, I am. And you know why It's not near as much fun. It's not as cool. When you can do something with open hand, open heart, and do it out of love and not duty, it's incredible. So so do you do it because you have to or because you want to? And I, I'm a, This is easy. This is easy. Jim Dunn built this cross for us I guess two years ago now. I don't, I don't know how many years. And this has just become a focal point of every time I preach. Have you noticed that? Because it reminds us of the love that God showed for us. It, it reminds us of what Jesus did. This is not a fairy tale. There was real... Human blood spilt on a cross like this. There was agony. Real agony. On a cross like that. There was real shame. On a cross like that. Truly the wrath of God. All that wrath. That judgment that was due us. Went on Him that day. And when you think about that. You can't help but give out love. I mean I know you won't know heaven until you die. But man one heartbeat after. The last breath. Uh, One heartbeat before the last breath. There you go. You know what? You're going to be real grateful. Why wait? Why wait to heaven to tell Jesus how grateful you are? Why wait to heaven, for heaven, to tell Jesus how thankful you are? Why not do it now? Why not do it now? So we have to determine the attitude. And then this is just a snippet for you to take home. God loves a cheerful giver. I like to say it this way, and Dwayne, do you have proof of this scripturally? Absolutely not. But it means something to me. So this is me. This is not Paul. I just imagine God smiling up in heaven. Sometimes, some of you have received a text from me, or an email from me, and I'll put in there, today you made God smile. I, I, I love that thought. God loves a cheerful giver. And when we give not out of duty but love, when we give open-handed and not close-fisted, I just believe in my own way. God smiles. God loves a cheerful giver. One who says, God, you've done such much, so much for me. How can I not? Didn't that put a different spin on giving? Ain't that cool that you don't hear me up here pounding my little metal pulpit? you got to give! you got to give! You're going to hell! You, gotta, you, you don't give! You're going to have flat tires and kidney stones! Aren't you glad? we can, From the word of God, not make it up, just say, Guys, look what he did for us. Let's get it out of love and open-handed. All right. So he goes on then. And this is where it really gets cool, I think. In verse 8, Paul says this. And God is able. Would you say that with me, please? God is able. Now, again, in his sovereignty... But, but there's no handed on God. God in His sovereignty obviously has blessed some of you financially more than us or others. Okay, Some of you have been very blessed. Some of you have been meagerly blessed. But God is able. That, that's His sovereign will working out. I mean, come on, I want to be six foot two all my life. And I just keep losing the ground. I, I keep saying I'm 5'8". I know I'm lying on my driver's license. Actually, about two things, my weight and my height. But either way, either, <laughs> either way, you know, you know, it's God's sovereignty. God is able, watch this, to make every grace, and remember, grace is God's unmerited favor. So God is able to make His unmerited favor flow to you, overflow to you. Isn't that cool? God is able, as you think about His giving thing, to overflow His favor towards you and to you. So that in every way, always having everything you need. Now, not want, but everything you need. Now, watch, watch. This is what we don't get. That you may excel in every good work. See, God's goodness, His favor overflows to us. Not so we can have more to consume. Not so we can eat more of the bowl. But that we may do and excel in every good work. See, see, over in, over in um, Ephesians 2.10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So you were created in Christ, when you became a believer, for good works. And then here, it says that God's grace overflows towards you. His merit, His favor overflows towards you. What? That you may excel in every good work. God wants to let His grace overflow to you, not to give you more to consume. But you'd have more to bless and glorify God with. Now that's just the truth. In our, in our American culture, it's hard. And can, can I be real candid with you? Gosh, I, you know, this, this I have my own little area. You know, I have no problem. Pooter runs our budget, and we talk about what we're going to give and, and all that stuff. You know, I have no problem with that. But I've got this little kitty fund. Now, my little kitty fund is money that comes in my hands that's outside of our budget. And that's that's kind of where I have to wrestle with it sometimes. Now, but God, if I give the kitty fun, I won't be able to buy iPhone 6 when it comes out. <laughs> or God, when Mike finally gets the ultra 4G television in stock, God, i have to be satisfied with my LED, 55, Samsung, 3D, 240, HD television. If I give my kitty fun away. See, we all have our areas that we wrestle with. But God puts his stuff in our hands. And by the way, it's so cool. I love it. First Timothy chapter 6. God gives us all things richly to enjoy. He's not him against things. It's so cool. So, so he says, I'm, I'm going to let my grace overflow towards you. In every way. So in every way, always have everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Now watch this, verse 9. As is written, he scattered, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now, that was a little complex. So, so I wrote down my little cheat sheet thing here. What I wrote down was, is I wrote down the New Living Translation, which is a cool translation of the Bible. Here's what it says. As the Scriptures say... Godly people give generously to the poor. Their deeds, their good deeds will never be forgotten. Now, here's the deal. If we're wise and we plant that much in the ground, we're going to have a harvest, Lord willing, next year. Well, did you know there's another economy? There's another economy besides the U.S. economy. As God's economy, and when we are generous to others and we are generous toward God, then, NET says it best, their good deeds will never be forgotten. Somehow, somehow there is a way to take it with you. Somehow, there's a way that it can go. Somehow, there's some kind of economy in heaven. Where God rewards us. I've heard about the crowns and all that stuff. But somehow, somehow, Jesus clearly teaches and Paul reinforces that there's an economy in heaven. And and if you spend all of this here, what you have in the future is going to be pretty small. But if you're wise in God and make sure that, yeah, your needs are met, your needs are met, but you're wise enough to invest in the future, there's an economy coming that will last forever. You know, Matt, Matt gave up a very lucrative career as a lawyer. And he's overseas now. What's up with that? He understands there's another economy. He may, I would assume he probably took a pay cut here. But he got a giant pay raise up there. And I don't know how it works out. Don't know. But I know it does. I know it does. So, so he says in verse 9, as is written, he scattered. He gave to the poor. The person gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. There's an economy that lasts beyond the next recession or the next rise in the stock market. Even outlasts your life. Verse 10. Now, now the one who provides seed for the sower, in other words, the one who gives us surplus to invest, okay? And, and, and the one who gives us bread for food. So the one who gives us also, he gives us sustenance. He gives us means support. The one who gives us the surplus and the one who gives us the food, I think that's pig food, by the way, um, but it works. Okay? The one who gives us bread will provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Did you get that? In other words, if you want God to bless you more financially, now, by the way, you do know I'm not preaching, if you give, God's got to give to you. You understand that, don't you? I'm not preaching a health and wealth gospel. Paul didn't, and I don't. But if you'd like for God to give more resources into your hands, I think the first step is giving more resources. See? Let me read it again. Now, the one who provides seed for the sower... And bread for food will provide, will provide. This is, even old, this is an Old Testament. This is in Malachi chapter 3. He will provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. In other words, if you get into the habit of being generous toward God, God will put more in your hands not to consume, not to buy your BMW, not to buy your 55-inch television, not so you can go to Florida on vacation, but for your harvest of righteousness. I just got to believe that's what's happening in Doorsfield. I just got a stinking suspicion that if we had been faithful and we give this money away, God gives us more money to give away. And I believe as we are faithful in our giving, that God will put more funds in our hand, not to consume, but to give away for the harvest of righteousness. A couple of verses Matthew 6 19. Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal but collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there's your heart also. Young preacher boy Timothy. You know, Paul writing to Timothy. Here's what Timothy is told by Paul. Instruct them, and that's people with money, and that's us, that's all of us. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, willing to share. Storing up for themselves a good reserve for the age to come. For the economy to come, so that they may take hold of life that is real. It's so cool. As we are generous toward God, we invest in an economy to come, but we get experience John 10:10. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Isn't that cool? I'm saying this is some of the stuff that some of y'all go, you know, I don't get life isn't as rich as I thought it would be. My life isn't enriched, my life isn't full. Perhaps this is an area where you need to adjust what you get in here and what you do with this and what you do with this. Just perhaps. Just perhaps. Now, he goes on and says this. Paul speaking. You will be enriched. Now, pause. I got a thought this morning. I recently learned how to make biscuits. Okay? Now, because of that, I read the label of the sack of flour. And I found out they're self-rising and not self-rising. To make biscuits with my recipe, you've got to have self-rising. That makes them poof. That has nothing to do with what I'm trying to say. The other thing that's on the label is, it says these words, enriched flour. You know what enriched flour is? During the process of milling the flour, nutrients are lost. So after the flour is ground and made into flour, once the grain's made into flour, the wheat's made into flour, they put back in those things that were lost. And then sometimes you get fortified, which means they add things that weren't lost, they're just added. So Paul says, your life, you will be enriched in every way. I'm saying this, that's what I was trying to teach you, the harvest of righteousness. That if we give, if, if we don't consume it, God will give us more to give away. And sometimes he just adds gravy. Sometimes we're just enriched. Come on now. And sometimes we're fortified. Sometimes, come on. Oh gosh. You know, time don't matter today because we got a late start and we had to do a lot of stuff, okay? All right, so. So I'm sitting there one day in the hospital. I'll I'll make this real short story. And y'all know me. There's two things you know about me. One, I am a little bit conservative. Okay, I'm a lot conservative. Okay, if I can talk you into buy my lunch, you're going to buy Secondly, I never had money in my wallet So, I'm sitting there in the hospital We were with a surgery And I said, I'm going to step here and make a couple phone calls and check email So I'm sitting there and this dude comes over and sits down And on the, on the phone, he's telling this story I had this knee, da-da-da, da-da-da, da-da-da You know And God like, lay my heart Do something So he got up and walked away He wasn't like, you know I said, hey dude I said, here I had the $40 I said, here, here you go Here's $40 You know he said, man, thank you. You didn't have to do that. I said, hey, you know, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I believe God wants me to bless you. So I did that. You know the end of the story? Oh, you don't want to know.
1: Oh, you do want
0: to. You want to know this. So I go back downstairs, and the family member comes out of surgery, you know. And and the, the person, the church member, hands me an envelope and says, here, this is for you. I didn't open it. But I got back home, and I opened it up. And there's sixty dollars in it. I gave forty away, and one day God gives sixty. He he enriched me, because I tell you, I had a stinking suspicion that God was going. You're obedient; that's good. But then He fortified me. Come on, y'all. Now I'm not saying if you give your money, please don't misunderstand. I'm just telling you, God's good and God's faithful. That's all I'm trying to tell you. God's good and God's faithful. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So he says, you will be enriched in every way for all generosity. In all ways of your life. Your life is going to become richer, Paul says. Because of generosity. Which produces thanksgiving to God through us. Now here's, here's what he's saying. When I see how you respond, Paul speaking. When I see Corinthian church, when I see how you respond, we give God thanks. God, thank you for the Corinthian church. Paul was blessed and give thanks to God for the faithfulness of the Corinthian church. But it gets even better. For this, for this, for the ministry of this service, this giving, is not only supplying the needs of the saints. So here's the people. They're starving in Jerusalem, and they, they need food. And so not only will they get their food, which is a cool thing. That need's going to be met. Well, watch this, watch this, watch this. But it's overflowing. i got to read the whole, whole sentence. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many acts of thanksgiving to God. Now get this. Get this. Paul's saying, if we are generous and if we give, two things are going to happen. One, needs are going to be met. Shoes are going to be bought. Pencils are going to be bought. Haircuts are going to be given. Needs are going to be met. Groceries are going to be bought. But those people will turn right around and say, thank you, God, for meeting my need. God gets the glory. And God is all about getting glory for His name. When we're obedient, we give generously. We, yes, the people's need is met. But God is glorified and that's what He wants. That's what He wants. It's so cool. Let me tell you the quality of our young people. Married people. Young married couples. Last week, we were over in Evansville and get a phone call. A eight year, an eight-year-old boy has been placed in a safe family because his mom went to jail. And this family, though willing to take the boy, didn't have a whole lot of money. One of our members called Judy and said, do you think we can do something? Judy starts sending out texts. Have an eight-year-old boy uh, in a safe family situation. We need some money to buy school supplies and food. Because all he had was his shirt on his back. What can we do? That was, that was Saturday, Judy. <coughs> Friday night. Sunday morning, Angie's hand was 563 dollars. A couple of the older people chipped in, but by and large, it was our young couples who said, "I will trust God." He didn't stop there. What was the final total? Almost 600 almost dollars? Almost 600 dollars. And guess what the woman said when she walked up and handed her $300 and said, Here, go to Walmart, buy pants, buy shoes, buy a belt, buy school supplies, buy what you need. She said, I thank God. I thank God. He met our need. God was glorified. Do you see it in action? When we do the school supply thing, which is not in our budget, and $15,000 is raised... Time after time after time after time, we hear these words, thank you so much. And they may not know to give God glory, but we do. This is incredible, guys. And when all the y'all, some of y'all have done this, and all that emotions well up, your life is enriched. All of a sudden, life is sweeter. Life is deeper and richer and fuller. It all happens as we understand God's generosity. And our need to be grateful to him, and he allows it to play out in our lives. He gives us surplus seed so we can be generous in His name. Very powerful. Very powerful. Last three verses, two verses. The people, they will glorify God for your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ. In other words, they are glorify God because you were obedient. They're going to say, the Jerusalem saying they were Jews. They were, they were Christian Jews, but they were Jews. And by the way, I bet they shared with the other Jews who weren't Christians yet. But they're going to thank God for the obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ. In other words, Jesus is about giving it away. The confession of the gospel. The gospel is about giving it away. The, the gospel is about being second. Do you know the ultimate example of someone being second was this? He was God. And He went to the back of the line for us. That's a good place for an amen. He went to the back of the line for us. They're going to glorify God for your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ. And for your generosity in sharing with them and with others through the proof provided for the service. Proof, 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 proof. Proof of what? Proof that they belong to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Generosity and gratitude is so ingrained in Jesus and in the gospel, it should be like nature for us. It should be like normal for us. It's so ingrained. It's funny. He didn't say go to church. He didn't say read your Bible. He didn't say, he said the proof is is generosity and gratitude is the proof. Isn't that powerful? See why this is so big? And again, what's really cool about this message is, you can't leave here and say, all that preacher wants my money for his salary. Uh, uh-uh, baby, I'm talking about money you can give away. I'm talking about may we give away is what I'm talking about. How powerful! How powerful! Those one says you're going to love verse 14. And they will have deep affection for you in their prayers on your behalf because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Don't you wish more people would pray for you? Give it away. Those, those Jerusalem saints were over there. You notice how I get down a little slower since I'm 60? Those Jerusalem saints are over there going, God, I thank you, but God, I thank you for that Corinthian church. I've never met them, and I don't know them, God, but they were faithful, God. They listened to you, God, and they did without so we could eat, God. I pray, God, you'll bless that Corinthian church. Pretty enticing, isn't it? It's so, cool. the, what the benefits of that of that generosity was? People who didn't even know him were praying for him. God bless him. God bless him. God bless him. Ends up with this. Paul like, is like overwhelmed. <laughs> About this time, he loses it. And he says this: "Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift." Paul is just caught up in rapture. When he thought about the cross and all that Jesus did. A man guilty of trying to exterminate those who followed Christ. Trying to kill the gospel. Met Jesus and was forgiven. He understood the generosity and his need to have a grateful heart toward God. He understood that he would have been destined for hell without Jesus. He understood that he was nothing without Christ. And when he sees this being played out. As he shares with the Corinthian church. He just gets lost in wonder. And says thank be to God. For his indescribable gift. And what's his indescribable gift? We can say Jesus. You can say forgiveness of sins. You can say grace. Isn't that incredible? So so what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Well. Unless I totally missed it. And and feel free to tell me. You totally missed it. In this, entwined in this, is a great, it's not a secret, but a great teaching about how to have a richer and fuller life. Now, I'm not talking about where you live or how much money you make. See, Benny, Benny our friend Benny Hen, he'll tell you all about that. If you want to know a wealth and wealth gospel, listen in on Benny if he's still on TV. I don't know if he is or not. There's lots of preachers on TV who'll tell you if you'll just give out a little seed money, you'll never get sick. You'll always have money. Give him 10 and he'll give you 1,000. There's lots of preachers, that will tell you that. I'm just not one of them. But Paul, unless, again, unless I'm just totally missing it, Paul pretty clearly states this. When we understand the generosity we should have toward God and the gratitude we should have for God, if we'll exercise that and be generous and grateful in God's name to others, our life is richer. And he's going to rich it to the point where there will be some surplus... We'll have all we need, and there'll be some surplus to give away and to enrich others. And sometimes He just fortifies us. Sometimes He just fortifies us. He gives us more than we expected. And still, thanks God. Thanks God. So now, if you're here today without Jesus, now this, you didn't hear a lot of. Well, you did too. You heard about the cross and everything. You didn't hear me say you need to join church and you can go to heaven if you give me $1,000. You know, you, you didn't hear that, did you? No, it's all about Jesus. I know, again, you may have been hurt in another church. Maybe, maybe you went to one of those churches that you felt guilty and pressure every time you went and you're kind of like burned. I hope this sets you free. I hope you find this very free. My friend Brent's going to be down front here. And if you would come and say, want, Brent, I, I want to know... I want to know about this Jesus who died that I could call God Father. That's pretty incredible. And we'll be glad to share with you the best we can. I'm not sure we can answer all your questions, but we'll try our best to answer as many as you have. If you're here today and you're a follower of Christ, gosh, guys, this thing's going to be on the Internet in a couple days. Do I ever say this? Go back and listen to it again. Because as your pastor, as your pastor, I really want you to experience an enriched life, a full life. A 3D life. A 3D life. Now, honestly, believes it involves, at least partially, the idea the concept of generosity and gratitude. Let's pray. Hey, Father, thank you very much. Thank you very much for this word today. I'm always amazed, God, that, that your word never goes out of vogue. It's like it was written to us yesterday. Here it is, 2,100 years old. And yet it fits in our American culture right now and right here. So, Father, I want to pray um, for my friend who might be here without Jesus. And, Father, I pray that I didn't make it too religious. Father, that he was able to understand that you love him very much. You love her very much. And your son died that they could come into a relationship with you if they're willing to turn from their sin and to follow Jesus. So if there's a friend here today in that situation, may today be the day that they call you Father and mean it. Thank God for the whole bunch of the rest of us. Lord, help us to digest this today. Where I wasn't very clear, Holy Spirit, would you make it clear? Where I muddled the water, would you clear the water up? And help us to understand how rich and fuller our lives are when we choose to be generous and have a thankful heart. Have your way in this time of decision. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.